Yeah, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, The Alchemist. It's, and I, I would really encourage, it's a great, it's an easy read. It's a great yes. read. And for anybody who is sort of an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, I guarantee you'll love it. And one thing that I really resonated with me from the book is if you've had that voice in your head that says you, you want to go and do this thing, I'm telling you, listeners, it's not going to go away. So do it. Do yourself a favor. Do it. Feel fast if you have to, because once you've heard that, it's not going away. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Really excited uh, to uh, welcome Joe Saray on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Joe is a Western grad, spent four years with the program, you know, massively successful with us. And he went and joined with Dell Technologies early on in mm-hmm. his career. And he chose to go back for an MBA. And you can, you know, learn about that decision-making process for Joe, why he felt that, that it was the right decision at the time, why he figured that it actually became the right decision, and then the types of businesses that he joined afterwards. Uh, he spent the last eight years, had six promotions at, at Vera, a technology, a brand technology. A SaaS company was the first employee that the company's grown 100% year over year over year for eight years and uh, gone from like, you know, he and the founder to now, um, I think it's 60 or 80 people and uh, monstrous upside at, at the organization and what they're creating around brand. We, we spent quite a bit of time also just talking about the, the power of brands and how you measure brands. So I know you're going to love this discussion. I know you're going to learn some things uh, about SaaS marketing, about MBAs, about brands. And uh, you know what we're up to is we're up to finding amazing young leaders who are interested in stepping into their future. So if you know anyone, please send them my way. Any feedback on the show, Thompson at studentworks.com. Have a super fantastic day. Thanks so much. Joe, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's just awesome to get reconnected. And so happy to have you. So let's let's start before Student Works. I know you spent a number of years with us and we so enjoyed that. And you, you're a top performer. But think about before Student Works, who was who was Joe Soray? Any any frustrations that you were having, etc. Well, I think. Um, one thing I knew about myself from a young age is that I, I really enjoyed the idea of running my own business, whether that was, I think I was 10 years old running uh, a lawn mowing company, just going up and down my streets, um, trying to sell my, my hockey card collection on my driveway for anyone coming by like that always, uh, appealed to me. And, um, you know, I also knew that I was that, that sort of person that I didn't really need to be motivated um, and I like that environment where, you know, it's like you work a little more, you, you do a little better. Yes. Um, so that's, yeah, that's probably how I love sports. Love yeah, sports. exactly. And so that, and that obviously drew you in to our organization and then also drew you in to, to have the type of results that you had, right? So obviously somebody who is going to be action oriented and like talking to people, like selling stuff, perfect role, 
perfect role. So what do you still use from your experiences uh, at StudentWorks? So I think there are some, like there's tangibles and then there's, there's intangibles. Um, I mean, I would say the one thing that I, I, it sort of did, it gave me a lot of confidence to say that, okay, having never picked up a paintbrush before, yeah. I could step in, learn a model quickly and, yeah. and execute uh, well. So that, you know, that, that sort of like confidence builder can't be understated, I think, especially at that point in my For life. Sure undergrad um but then you know some of the things and this might may seem obvious but those those uh the best like uh, the four best habits i forget exactly how they're four referability habits four that's referability it. habits so, yeah say please and thanks be on time do what you say you're going to do I, I i think i've always had a very sort of fierce sense of accountability yes um but i think that was that was really uh, further developed in yeah. the summer management program yeah. Well, Joe, it's, it's funny. I still remember, um, uh, and I think we still tell the story about you calling a client again and again and again. They, you know, they, they, they made a commitment. They said they were interested in an estimate. And then you called and you left a message like weekly for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, 40 plus times or something. And, and then them calling back and say, oh, we went to Florida, Joe. You know, and it was the time <laughs> when people had home phones and phone messages and they got all these messages. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I have that great memory. That's, uh, I have a lot of memories from, from my summers uh, leading, uh, you know, leading the business. But yeah, that, I mean, that was part of it. And that's one of those, I think, just basic skills that I still use today. I mean, until you get a no, as long as you're following up on something that you said you were going to do, all you're doing is, you know, fulfilling your, your commitment. And yeah. Well, the other one's not getting back. Absolutely. And just, hey, calling again. Great. Looking forward to hearing from you. And you booked that job. And, uh, you know, so, so, so it's, it's just great, great fun and sort of seeing those experiences. So coming out of Student Works, you went to Dell and followed a group of other, you know, a bunch of alumni. So who was, who was there at the time? Why did you choose, why did you choose to go to Dell? So uh, it was actually Rob Signoretti. Yeah. Um, that had uh, made the move uh, over to Dell a year before I did. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, great environment, uh, great training program, which yeah. I was really excited about. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, I think that made it a pretty easy decision. And um, I also saw, I mean, because I was working for um, Student Works, which is a really dynamic environment, you sort of got to run your own show, um, right. more or less. I was eager to see what the other side of the fence was like and just sort of cut my teeth in like a bigger corporate environment and just sort yeah. of figure out what, what works for me. Yeah. So at, at Dell, what worked well? And by the way, organizations are constantly changing and different, et cetera. But uh, I'm not saying Dell isn't still fantastic, but what worked well about that organization? You know, what, what were some of the challenges you had? I know you stayed, you know, pretty close to three years. Yeah. So, uh, well, to echo what I said earlier, very good training program, um, which I think just gave me a very solid foundation. Um, what also worked well was just understanding how to sort of fall in line, so to speak, and just mm -hmm. how to play your role as part of a much bigger um, operation. Right. And, 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 you know, that was, uh, I think, what, what went really well. And, I, you know, student works had already sort of ingrained into me how to sort of follow a process, follow a model. So that was um, a pretty seamless transition, despite how different, you know, the two companies are. Right. 
Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And I know you were, you were very successful, you know, above target, you know, performing at a really, really high level. Um, you know, so you decided to go back and do your MBA. So, so walk us through that thinking, you know, the pros and cons, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's the, the narcissist in me, but like, as I was there at Dell, I just, I wanted to be a part of, of something. I wanted to make more of an impact beyond okay. just sort of driving my own number. And, you know, I was sort of looking back at my philosophy degree, thinking maybe I need to go back to school, try to demonstrate a more well-rounded business acumen. I actually thought it was a great sort of natural step from student works because student works is also a mini MBA. You learn about yes. HR, you learn about marketing, you learn yeah. about all of these things. And so an MBA was always in the back of my mind and it just felt like the right time to do it. I was already a few years out of school. Yeah. I knew that I, I love sales, but I wanted to be a part of something more. So that's what led me to Queens. That was an incredible year. Um, you know, they, they really preach this environment of innovation and they really stand behind it. Um, you know, for example, there was a, a buddy of mine who was in my group who noticed that, wow, there, there's so much geared towards the finance industry as part of this MBA program, but nothing towards hedge funds. It's right. sort of a black box. So he came up with this idea to create a, a hedge fund of funds inside the MBA program. And he's like, well, you know, we need, we need somebody to, uh, um, to sort of try to sell this thing. And right. so I, I naturally just became the, the business development officer uh, okay. inside that. And, and anyways, that was just a really uh, rich experience both inside the classroom and with some of the extracurriculars I was able to get involved in. Fantastic. So you, so you complete the Smith School of Business. Um, and then what did you decide to do next? At the time, I would have told you that you know, mission not accomplished because going into the program, I wanted to just land at one of the big five consulting firms. Okay. Um, yet I, um, I actually ended up getting a, a an incredible um, contract after working for the Retail Council of Canada. I got to work directly under the chief operating officer to help actually develop this new division just to cater to small business. Okay. Um, and so that was an incredible uh, learning experience. Um, but I, I, you know, the sales world just sort of kept pulling me back. And, and I, uh, you know, once that contract was up, I actually decided to take a, a, another sales role at a company called Vision Critical. Okay. Okay. No. And, uh, and by the way, not surprising, Joe, knowing you. Um, <laughs> again, you're just, and, and again, it's, it's like, there just is such an economic opportunity in sales. And when you're really yeah. good at it and, and it's just so comes so natural for you, it's tough. And, you know, and then once, once you, you really get addicted to every part of it, whether it's like something as simple as sending a cold email and just being able to pull a customer out of thin air by just mm -hmm. sharing a good idea yeah. to building the relationship, earning their trust, becoming yeah. an advisor and then closing something. It's, you know, it's, it's just a very rewarding career. Again, going back to the harder you work, the more that you make. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, uh, so yeah, I guess it's always been an easy fit for me. So, yeah. And also as well, like I can see as well. And again, Dell, where you were, because early, at, at a certain point where, where Joe was for our leaders, um, you're, you're down again, pushing your number. You're selling a certain certain thing. It's small to medium-sized businesses. So there's not as much 
strategy and di- discussion about what what are the needs of the business and how do we work work together as a real partner. And now all of a sudden it's different. You know, Joe does his MBA. Joe works with the Retail Council of Canada, and 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 now I know you know, and we'll continue on the discussion of your 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 career is. There's a whole lot more. It's not just sales. It's not just like closing right. a paint job, closing a window cleaning job. No, 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 no. Right. And and so tell us more about Vision Critical and what you were doing as the bis- business development manager. Yeah. So I um, it was a very attractive role for me because I got to sort of be the country owner for Canada and just really learn um, about like how that specific solution added value across a number of different industries, which was mm-hmm. really rewarding for me because I wanted to be a part of something bigger. Right. And then as my role sort of transitioned within Vision Critical, there was always that strategic element, whether it was, um, you know, being on the, the public affairs team and sort of being able to craft this go-to-market strategy on how we're going to approach the, you know, universities or professional associations. Um, and then even more so, which is what sort of led me to where I am now, an opportunity to be a part of a of what was a new division at Vision Critical at the time, but it's now Vera. Right. Um, just being able to be the, the first sort of non-founding employee, um, helping to sort of drive this product forward was just something I, I was very like just chomping at the bit to be a part of. Awesome. So so describe um, Vision Critical. What what was the service offering? What was the market? You know, space. Yeah, so they, I mean, they really sit at the intersection of research and technology. Their, um, their bread and butter was insight communities, otherwise known as community panels, which can really be summed up as it's like having a sort of a, your, your target audience in a room down the hall that you can just sort of open the door, ask them some questions, engage in a conversation, walk away with your insights, and then take action on it. Okay. And, and that's what Vision Critical did. And that's why um, Vera, the Vera software platform, was such a good fit for Vision Critical at the time. But within the first year, it, it, it got so big, it developed such momentum that it, it needed to be its own company. And so, um, you know, again, that just led me to another great opportunity where I was actually able to, you know, I was in my mid-20s at the time, sort of leave Vision Critical as part of this sort of amicable departure to, right. to help build Vera. And that was that was eight years ago now. So so let's let's walk back. So you're you're the business development manager of Vision Critical. Does mm-hmm. Vision Critical create Vera? So it's a good question. Um, so the founder of Vera actually came externally. He was a 10, 15 year vet in brand strategy and essentially kept getting the same question from chief marketing officers, which is, hey, my brand is going one way. Why is business going in another direction? And he knew how to solve that problem. It was just going to take a lot, like a, a, a lot of resources and um, a big development team to just build this big software platform that was going to be able to allow brands to measure, manage, and, and ultimately maximize their brand's equity. And so he chopped that idea around and through a mutual friend was introduced to the founder of Vision Critical. And that's how they decided that they would fund Vera. Vera would be a division of Vision Critical. Um, for at least the onset. And uh, yeah, and my boss was actually in New York at the time. I was in Toronto. I only got wind of Vera through a company event in, in Mexico. And you know all about those, Chris. And, <laughs> but I just, you know, I heard that this is what Vision Critical is about to go to market with. And 
yeah, as soon as I got wind of it, I knew that I needed to be a part of this. Yeah. And so, so describe, so describe Vera better. So, 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 yes. um, you know, because uh, I didn't quite get it. So I yep. think good chance maybe some of our leaders here won't quite get it. So, so, you know, uh, it's about building the brand, making sure we, we, we build the brand in the right yep. direction. So describe more about what it does. Yeah. So, um, so it's a software platform. Okay. Um, that's, that's, I think, you know, the most important thing to know, but the reason that it was built, I mean, when you think about the demand for an analytical rigor in terms right. of driving marketing decisions, what the industry has become really good at is being able to identify, okay, if I send this coupon, it's going to drive this sale. Right. But in order to understand how brand, everybody knows brand is important. Studentworks has a brand, Coca-Cola yes. has a brand, but in order to actually pinpoint how movements in brand equity are going to impact the bottom line, that takes a very sort of dedicated strategic framework and a, a, a truckload of data. Uh, data to be able to sort of make that connection. And um, it's, it's, it's so important because without understanding how your marketing activity is impacting your brand, what impact that might have on your, your future sales, a lot of brands run the risk of, let's say, ex excess discounting just to meet their number. Right. Meanwhile, this is all happening at the expense of long-term brand equity. So yeah, you might meet your quarterly target, but you're giving the future you a big, a big headache because you're conditioning consumers to basically not pay full price for your brand. Well, it's hundred percent. I, you know, it's it's. Uh... We had a conversation last night. We were talking earlier about Chris Reynolds, who's been on the podcast. And I was out with his brother, Neil, and we were chatting about they basically raised their prices 50% on one of the companies they own wow. because the, the costs were going up. And, you know, it was it was a, a bet on their brand, a bet on, 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 on what they needed to do. And he talked about not discounting because they weren't selling anything for a month and not discounting and staying committed to that. So you, you've got this software. Is it is it artificial intelligence that's getting all this data? How they how they tracking it? How's it working? And so we collect all our data via online uh, surveys. Right. So I'll use, we are a global company, but I'll use the U.S. for an example uh, as an example. Um, so we'll go out to twenty thousand Americans every single week um, to measure thousands and thousands of brands, regardless of whether or not you're working with us. Because one of our core beliefs is that. To truly understand why a brand is strong, sick, how it can get better, you cannot measure brand in a vacuum. Right. For example, if I'm McDonald's and um, I want to understand why sales are up or down, I shouldn't just be looking at the Burger Kings, the subways of the world, because if I'm an 18 year old and all of a sudden I'm buying my own iPhone, I may not purchase as many Big Macs. Yes. And I mean, examples are everywhere, whether it's Amazon deciding to stretch into whatever category it chooses to, Nike, just as much of a tech company nowadays. Yeah. Yet, you know, brands are really um, playing in, in a much broader cultural conversation than the traditional approaches to understanding your brand, which is, okay, let me just take myself and my five biggest competitors and there I go. Yes. If that makes sense. Totally, totally makes sense. So, so basically, vision critical uh created a partnership with this joe you and i can tell you're passionate about this when said wow this seems really amazing i want to be part of this 
And you basically, as I recall, you basically said, hey, can I go join this new new company? And they said, yes. Is that basically yeah. how it went? It, 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 exactly. Exactly. And I, I mean, I don't think it was a big conversation for for, <laughs> for them to sort of let me depart because I was still, I think I was only ambition critical about a year at the time. And, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was a very amicable departure. So for sure. You know, everybody was aware what was happening. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I don't want to just overuse the, the word disruptor, but I was just glued to the fact and, and really it hooked me that it was, it, it is a true disruptor in the space. Right. Um, just by being able to make that connection between how brand equity impacts future business performance. And the reason that's so important. I mean, if you look at a lot of the traditional approaches to looking at to measuring brand, I mean, it, it sort of checks a box. You've got your numbers for that quarter, but the data then just sort of sits on a shelf. It's really tough to drive decision-making because it's not done at scale. It's not connected to the bottom line. Right. So what, what I just mentioned with Barra was the tip of the iceberg. Right. Because as soon as you understand how brand drives business, one, you can have a much more uh, accurate forecast. Um, you can more smartly allocate your marketing dollars and a ton of other sort of actionable data-driven decision-making can be done through Vera. Um, you know, the, the, the brand equity is just one data point. We have over a hundred metrics that we collect on every brand so that we can help you not just tell you how your brand is doing, but actually give you a data-driven recipe for how to nurture your brand among parents, among Gen Z, among whoever your target audience happens to be. Fantastic. So, so over the last eight years, you've had five pro uh, promotions, director of business development, head of business development, head of sales operations and forensic, now the VP of business development, sales operations. So Joe, well done. Um, so, so, um, and what, what sort of things have you, have you learned? Have you gained through that, that process? What have you, you know, and again, thinking about our leaders, good chance wanting to get, uh, into business development, into sales, what sort of things can you offer them to sort of Here's maybe a way to look at this and, and de development in an organization. Yeah, it does. Really good question. Um, you know, I would say uh, when you're, if you're joining a startup, there's never a dull day. And, <laughs> but I was sort of, I was prepared for that because one thing I learned at StudentWorks to bring it all back is that I would almost rather work a 14-hour day for myself than an eight-hour day for somebody else. Right. And even though I wasn't the owner of Vera, um, you know, I was the first employee. So yeah. there was such, um, you know, in a sense, it did feel a little bit like my baby. And I just, I love that environment where no idea was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Let's just do it. And then we'll, we'll find out. If Test it. it. Test it. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that, you know, that was a really, so I think my advice would be, I like to try to work for a lot of different types of companies mm -hmm. just to figure out where, um, you know, what sort of environment appeals to you? Because right. I will say that there were, there were some, you know, hundred hour weeks, you know, working through weekends for a month at a time, if that's what you had to do, because that's sort of the name of the game. And I think this is a really important piece of advice because there is, um, I think there's a lot of merit to, to working at different companies, um, especially if you're looking to level up and there isn't the opportunity to move forward in your existing uh, employer, so you, you want to look outside. If you join a startup, highly recommend you commit minimum three to five years. Right. 
things do. Um, you're, you're, you know, there's never a dull day. You're going to wear a lot of different hats, but it's not always going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're going to get the full, um, you know, juice. Uh, you're not really going to see all of the, uh, the fruits of your labor, so to speak, if you leave after a couple of years. Right. Okay, so great. And so, so Barra, is it a, is it a SaaS model? Is, is that what your clients sign up for? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. And that was another, um, I think, big takeaway uh, or, or big learning opportunity, I think, for the first few years, because the software, um, as I mentioned, is disruptive. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. Um, but because the traditional approach for, for these, and, and it's also built to service the Fortune 500. So we were going, we're going after some very big companies. Right. And they, they're more, let's say, we're more accustomed to the traditional consulting model. So for a while, they loved our software, but they almost wanted to, pay, they paid us to use our software, almost paid us con- as consultants to use our own software to then deliver them the insights. So that was a really um, unexpected but incredible learning opportunity because I got to see how um, a, a very uh, effective but disruptive platform needs to go through this almost like rite of passage or growth yes. stage until you can start getting people to say, uh, okay, I'll subscribe to your software because I, I really want to use it. Right. So it's where does it fit? And 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 it's and you know, it's like, okay, this is really again disruptive. It's good. People can see it's good, but how do I use it? How do I fit? And right. one thing about again, not that I know a lot about Fortune 500, Fortune 100 organizations, but they are very, very thoughtful and they're hesitant to choose another direction unless they know it's going to work and they'd right. rather test, test, test where this model is working. We don't need to disrupt it. So, you know, even if this looks like a good idea, don't prove it's a good idea. So it's, and, and one thing that's kind of funny, Joe, is, is I know you talked about, oh, gee, I'm, you know, I, I want to get into a consulting space. Really, literally, yeah. it, it sounds like that's what you ended up getting into, back ending into what, right? Yeah, no, it's it's true. Just the, that that old sort of uh, mantra where if you, if you don't you don't give up, you, you haven't failed yet, and it's it's just interesting how um, fit really does matter. And yeah. if you um, you know, once I really accepted that a career in sales um, is is in my future in one capacity or another, things actually started to get a lot easier in a way. Yes. Yeah, and I got the by take by embracing that. I got to have this opportunity to do all of these other things. Um, you know, my analytical uh, acumen being like Vera is a you know a market martech platform specifically predictive brand technology. Tons of analytics yeah. because we were a newer company. I did a ton of those. That, yeah, that consulting work that you were just referring to. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and leading with your strength though leading with your strength exactly. and also, you know, again, making it, you know, really, again, you can tell finding, you know, finding inspiration, enjoying it, you know, joyful, you know, and, and looking to, it's, it's looking to make a difference. Cause you know, if we look and I'm not sure if you can share, but you know, over the last eight years, how much has Barra grown? So we were enjoying uh, like hundred percent growth year over year. Wow. Um, well, just about our entire life cycle as a company. So, I mean, no shortage of hard work, but it's it's been um, we've been able to sort of see the vision come to life, mm-hmm. and 
you know, eight years ago, we were seven and a half years ago, we were, um, you know, two people and then we were three, four. And now I think we're just tipping the scales at 60 or 70 employees. So it's uh, just a, and a, and a phenomenal team too. The other thing that I really like about Bear is, is the sincere approach to everything, whether it's brand measurement or whether it's building a company. And, you know, our, our founder, uh, leader, Ryan Barker, he really just wanted to hire the best people no matter where they were. So he actually built this um, without knowing the pandemic was, was coming as a remote first company. If yeah. you're the right person for the job, you know, where we want you. Wherever you are. So that's awesome. And what about, what about, you know, we've talked a lot about success, Joe, what about mistakes and failures and how do you deal with those? Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a really, it's, it's, it's a really good question. I think it's, um, Mistakes are, if you're not making mistakes, then you're not really trying. So I think you just have to take your ego out of it. Realize that there was a process that took you to this place to make that mistake. So it gives you something to go back on and try to try to improve. And I, I mean, um, yeah, I almost, I'm, all, I'm trying to. I'm almost unprepared for the question because if anything hasn't worked at Vera, we've just taken another shot at it and, and, and sort of made it work. You know, once you decide, once you know who you are, and then you decide the company that you want to be when you grow up, um, there's a bunch of different ways to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and again, it's just, it's by the sounds of it, it's like, it's, you know, it's like, well, of course, lots of mistakes, lots of challenges, lots of, it didn't work right. And it's just, oh, try again, iterate, move, adjust. Let's talk about it. And, and by the sounds of it as well, a lot of, you know, just, just your infusing. And, and by the way, just for our leaders, I've spoken with Joe a number of times and just you just tell you love working with the people you work with, you know, yeah. and that they're really amazing. And, and so a lot of you can tell no blame, great culture. It's like, OK, let's what are we going to do next, Joe? What do you recommend? That sort of stuff, I imagine. I, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the number one I read in some survey somewhere that said, you know, the number one thing that keeps people at a job is, is, is the people that yes. they have relationships with even more than the, um, you know, the economic, the economics. Yep. Um, so that's, that's a really big part of it. And, and I think, you know, one of the reasons that I chose to roll the dice and work for a startup, um, is being able to work directly with the founder yes. and just get a, you know, if, if student works with my, my pre MBA degree, <laughs> And then I went and did the MBA. Vera has been like a, a doctorate in, in, in <laughs> exactly. business education. Um, so that's another thing, you know, that I would say for anyone who is maybe, um, you know, a veteran student works manager and is thinking about their career after the program. Um, it's, it's going to, you know, if you go and work for a startup, just getting that direct exposure to the founder is like I learned things at a younger age that I don't know. I, you know, I may not have learned till, till now just because sure. that was the dynamic. Well, I think it's a huge, huge advantage. And on the other hand, obviously we need to choose an organization, a startup that has a really high degree of chance of success, right? Just because, you know, certainly you can be in a, a startup. I remember I was in a startup early on in my career and it was, it was really all the reasons why a business will win. <laughs> I was there a short period of time and that was just the right call. You know, that it was just all the reasons why this, you know, companies don't operate successfully. So. Right. And, and, um, you know, when I think back to why I joined student works, I mean, the, the, the right things were there. It was easy mm -hmm. to learn, easy to teach, low overhead, yeah. 
and all yeah. those things are needed. And I sort of have always tried to take that, um, like an analytical approach to, to whatever decision I'm going to make. And when the time came to join Barra, I thought, okay, well, what's our, is there an unfair advantage? And I thought, well, we had a very strong partner network that was going to make, you know, make some very, um, helpful introductions right. to, to us. Um, the, oh, we also had the advantage that this, this incredible company, Vision Critical, had built the software already. So that was already, that box had been checked. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, just thinking of, like knowing the tailwinds, uh, that marketing analytics was. So big. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was like in its infancy back then, but it really wasn't even what it is today. Yes. Um, and, and then going back and I knew that, that brand is, you know, hard for some people, they, they picture a brand as this sort of fluffy thing that's hard to quantify. But, but really, when you think about what a brand is, it's everything that a company will invest in its product or service, pricing strategy, marketing, distribution, customer service, all of that rolls up into your reputation, your brand. So I've always really been enamored with the power of a brand and, uh, and, and yeah, so, so those were sort of the boxes that I needed to check to, um, yeah. To- well, and, and what's, what's cool, Joe is, is I, I think, I, you know, I think there are very, very few leaders listening who wouldn't go, yeah, I totally am so attached to this brand or that brand or this brand. And on the other hand, why is it fluffy? Cause I can't quantify it. Right. And Vera is quantifying it. And, and so that's just so powerful. You could just see and understand how, what, a, what an impact that is. Um, so. Well, that's fantastic. And so what did you, what about for you, Joe, what did you need to change about yourself, you know, as you left student works to, to becoming now, you know, uh, where you are uh, at Barra? Oh, that's, that's a good question. You know, I, it's, I actually think, uh, knowing how to unlearn something okay, and, and change. Yeah. And that's something that was paramount at Barra because we knew that we, we are a SaaS company that happened to just sort of like operate as a consulting company for the first few years, but just getting very good at trying to um, keep focused on the long-term path and realizing what you're doing now, that's just a necessary evil versus the really important things that you, you know, sort of cannot budge on uh, long-term. So yeah, I think, and, and that, that sort of uh, mentality has also helped me as you start to work for different companies, because at Vision Critical, even though it was, I mean, global company, uh, a thousand employees or something like that, right. you were still expected to be, I think, a little bit more assertive and creative, a bit of more of a go-getter than at Dell, where that actually might have been a little disruptive right. and really needed to stay in your lane. Yes. Um, at, so, your, at your role. Yes, exactly. exactly. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that's fascinating. And again, just just so our our, our leaders understand, the reason Barra couldn't stay as a consulting company is because the opportunities and the scale of the business is so much better as a SaaS company. You know, you know, the value created is is monstrously different. Right. Exactly. And I mean, there like Barra is is a, a beast of a platform. Like I, I absolutely, I still love the software. Yeah. Like, um, sometimes I, I still get in there and play around like it's my favorite video game. Um, <laughs> but there, that, that whole bridge of brand to business is really just one of the challenges. Like there are so many um, 
sort of challenges that have come up from the traditional approaches to measuring brand. And Barrow was actually built to, to solve all of them. Most importantly, the brand of business. But secondly, it's also time to value, time, time to insights. Barrow was built to be a, a DIY platform that gives you access to your, your own data 24 seven versus traditionally, okay, Mr. Consultant, we need this brand report. Okay, who's your audience? All right, we need two months to collect the data. We're gonna need a couple of weeks to produce the report. So you'll have your data in three months. Which yeah. means you're making decisions on data that's sort of recent, but it's it's three months old. Right. And that was the other really important piece that we knew. We like we needed to get the software in the hands of our clients so they could be reacting weekly if they right. wanted to, to their Fantastic. own data. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, so what key habits would someone want to steal from you, Joe? Hmm. I uh <laughs> Um, for, you know, I think one of my, my bigger, bigger strengths is probably work ethic and, and accountability. Right. Um, I've made each decision in my career from student works to, through, through to Barra, especially is, you know, your ability to make an impact. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've always found very fulfilling. Like that's what drives me more than a paycheck even though right. it all, all has to make sense. Um, so, but I would say that if you are in that sort of role, you need to be prepared to deal with ambiguity um, and just be very accountable to, uh, to drive something forward and, and ask for help where, where necessary. Um, and the other thing is, is take chances, um, especially with the group that, that may be listening to this uh, podcast, you're at an age where you know you may think that a huge part of your life is behind you, but really it's it's just getting started. And if you decide that okay, after you spend uh, four years doing a, a a science or an engineering degree, and you're just not in love with it, don't be afraid to just go learn how to code or do something differently. Like even though it doesn't feel like it, you're just so unbelievably young, and 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 uh, just take as many calculated risks as you can. That, that's what I did. And I'm, you know, quite happy where I am right now. Well, also as well, one of the things I loved what you said as well is if all of a sudden you feel like you need to do something, meaning it's driving, like you can see what Joe, Joe's passion drove his decisions. You can tell he's really passionate about Barra. He went there. I, I was very passionate about student works, went there, you know, bought in bought the company. And so that's, I'm still living that passion. So, so if most people feel like work is work, so they don't work as hard as people like Joe and I, who it's like, oh, you know, your, your software is a video game for Joe. So Joe puts a lot more time into his work and he enjoys it. So it's like work play seems pretty similar. Exactly. I mean, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, The Alchemist. Uh, Yes, I have. Yes. It's, and I, I would really encourage, it's a great, it's an easy read. It's a great yes. read. And for anybody who is sort of an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, the, the, I guarantee you'll love it. And one thing that I really resonated with me from the book is if you've had that, that voice in your head that says you, you want to go and do this thing, yeah. I, I'm telling you, listeners, it's not going to go away. Yeah. So <laughs> do it. Do yourself a favor. Do it. Feel fast if you have to, but just yeah. get it system because once you've heard that it's not going away yeah 
Yeah, because the time to get the time to get safe and um, worried about how it's going to go is is really a long time. You know, like you've got you've got you've got a bunch of opportunities to make mistakes and not go right. And I've had a number of things not go right, and we're great. You know, so it's like you can really bounce. You can get you can get you know hurt in the marketplace, lose some money, move forward. You know, make the wrong decision, and and then you know. you know, you've got lots of time to sort it out. Uh, but, but by just, again, you know, had Joe just said, Oh, I'm just going to stay at Dell and not be happy. You know, I think it leads to other things as well. I'm dissatisfied. I come home, I'm grumpy. Likely the relationship doesn't work out. I start drinking more, you know, who knows, right. It's a really, really bad course that, that can move. Yeah. And actually to your point, I think the other thing that I, um, think that I've done well, with is just embracing change. Yeah. Um, there was a period after university where I think I moved every year because I was either going back to school or, or taking a different job. Yeah. Um, and I just, I find them and it's ironic because I've been at this company for eight, eight years almost. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, as you've seen there, I've, I've had, a, we're worn a number of different hats there, but yeah. really just embracing change. Uh, I think that's, that's just so important to to grow and not fall into that sort of like complacency. Exactly. So, final question, Joe. And um, thank you so much for your time and uh, and 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 spending it with us. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what do you think of? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I would say that this leader is, is going to need to lead with purpose. I think. Um, in order to sort of sustain long-term value, you need to be relevant and you need to be unique. Um, part of that is having an emotional connection with your target audience and with your employees. Um, I, I really think that corporate culture in um, North America, at least, is undergoing a, a very necessary change just to um, realize that that employees are, are people first and, and they work for you second. Yeah. And so I would, you know, whether um, you, you know, a future leader want to be the first uh, company that, that, that kicks off with a four day work week right. or something along those lines, just, just put your people first. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Joe, uh, again, so appreciative of you making that, making this happen with us, uh, continued success really will be watching out for Barra and well, for Joe and all the, all the, uh, the, uh, the opportunities there in your future. And, uh, again, thanks so much, Joe. My pleasure, Chris. Always great to catch up. Gotcha. Okay. You have an awesome day and uh, enjoy your long weekend. Cheers. You too, sir. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. We are approaching a huge milestone. We are approaching 300 episodes, which puts us in the top 10% of podcasts. We would love to know what were your favorite episodes or best takeaways. If we get enough feedback, we'll share that in an upcoming episode. Please send any feedback to cthompson at studentworks.com. We have created a waiting list for leaders wanting the opportunity to apply to become an operator for the summer of 2023. Our application process for new applicants gets started in July of 2022. 
If you know anyone or are interested, please go to learn.studentworks.com slash waiting list. We look forward to reaching out to you and seeing if you have what it takes to join the Student Works Management Program.